What's going on? What's going on? Entertain the Geeky. Jason O'Toole. That's my name. Yes, yes. Super <laughs> exciting. It has been way too long. Way too long. We haven't been on the mics in forever. Yeah, I have definitely. I, I did a. I did guest star on an episode of Jam's podcast where we talked about the Venture Brothers. That was fun. Okay, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But he talks about cartoons from the past. Well, that's okay. his whole shtick. So, your your old bloody TG. Uh, we're we're finding some new listeners now, and right. yeah. they might not know who you are and what you're into and all that. So I figured maybe we'll dive into that a little. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, well, I am Jason. Um, I am into comic books and have been since I could read. Um, I work at a comic book store <laughs> as my career. Um, and uh, if something's going on in the comic world, uh, MCU, Warner Brothers, DC, any of that stuff, uh, you better believe I'm going to be watching it or enjoying it uh, for what it is. Uh, I've had conversations recently uh, about the MCU specifically because there are a lot of people that aren't really enjoying what the MCU is doing in the multiverse saga. Uh, and I, so I hear that from the uninitiated and the comic fans in my store love what they're doing because it's been the most comic book it's ever been. Well, it's, it's so refreshing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we've, uh, we did the infinity saga for a long fucking time. Yeah. And those movies are great. There's no doubt. No, it was fun and all that. And, uh, I had said after in game and I'll, I'll say it a hundred more times. I was like, my MCU was pretty much wrapped up then. That doesn't mean that I won't enjoy the films and the, the TV series and watch them. Sure. What it does mean is like the story that I was initially invested in came to its head and I was very happy with it. And like, if they would have been like, all right, we're going to put a pin in it here. That would have been been fucking great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they didn't, and that's okay. I get it. You're making bajillions of dollars, and there's more story to tell. And I think they have made enough money at this point for their corporate overlords that they can afford to experiment. Not everything has to be a huge mega blockbuster success anymore. Right. So they are uh, taking us into territory that while I understand why it's turning off the casual moviegoer, from the comic fan's perspective, it is some of the best stuff we've ever seen. It's been refreshing. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing that I can say about it is it's been so refreshing. Yeah. Multiverse of Madness. I was so pleasantly surprised by that movie. And I did the thing where I got online long before I watched it. And I'm watching people shred this movie. And I watched it and I was like, what the fuck were they shredding? Exactly. This is a great flick. Like, everybody liked uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. It was it was a it was cool, fan service the movie it was it was it was a cool <laughs> flick and they like start to get into some of the concepts there but actually seeing multiverse of madness I'm like dude this is a fucking crazy cool movie yeah absolutely Thor people were bitching about that one and I'm like why I don't understand that that's a that good ass movie sense. it was really good I, like I I think they wanted Ragnarok again and I'm like Ragnarok it it was you had those aspects to it, but it was a good movie. Like yeah. it was fun to watch. It was entertaining. It was genre. I mean, they're they're what they're doing recently has has taken us to the different genres to show that you know your comic book movie doesn't have to be classified comic book movie. It can be classified whatever genre you put those characters in. So Thor: Love and Thunder is a romantic comedy, and if you didn't get that, you didn't get it. That's fine. There's no there's nothing wrong with that. But I understand why if you didn't like it, you might not have got it. 
right? You might not have got what they were going for. I was tearing up in that movie, though. Oh, my God. When I he, was, when he I was gave like, his powers to all the kids at the end. I was like, this is oh, fucking beautiful. Mind. Yeah. Well, it was like... Uh, it was like the scene, like the the way that it made me feel the emotions that it evoked was the same thing as when Captain America got Molnir. Sure. It was just like, yeah, fuck, yeah, dude, this is so it's perfect. Like yeah. it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And it was it was also watching small children use uh you know, watching that little girl use her toy bunny to massacre monsters was just really awesome. It was brilliant. And 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 made me uh yeah, made me sad, made it me was, cry. It was good flavor, though, and I, I can't believe that they've been shredded the way that they have. Yeah, I don't um, understand. It, one, I guess, like you said, maybe it's maybe it's the casual moviegoers, or the casual yeah. uh, I mean, Marvel when you, viewers. When you compare this to the Infinity Saga, those movies were all formulaic, and there's nothing wrong with the formula they used for those movies, um, but they are definitely, uh, you know, big action blockbusters, good guys win, bad guys lose, and every movie sets up something for the future. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is the formula they used to hook the audience. But again, I think we've we've made so much money at this point that we can experiment a little. I mean, She-Hulk just wrapped up, and it was a brilliant, brilliant tale of feminism, of uh, what it is to be a Hulk in the modern world, in the modern MCU, and uh, what the the way it adapted John Byrne's uh, Savage She-Hulk story was brilliant. I mean, it is the most comic book thing they've ever made. And that's saying something because a lot of the things recently have been very comic book accurate. Well, that was uh, when Suicide Squad came out, the first one. The the bad one. Okay. So (laughs) watching watching that movie, I felt like I was reading a comic book. And that was one of the first times that, that, that somebody had accomplished that in a movie. I understand that it was, uh, you have some outside production company that does movie trailers come in and do the final cut of the movie. Um, sure. And yes, that, that skews some things. Uh, we have the Joker in it, this awkward amount. He should have been in it more or less. He should have been the reason the Suicide Squad came together. Right. And he was initially. But they but made a last-minute choice to change it to Enchantress. Right. Then, then it wasn't. And it was just like, yeah. oh, okay, this is this is odd. Yeah. Uh, watching it, I felt like I was reading a comic book. And, like, that's the thing that I have said was super redeeming about it for me in particular. I was like, this is like fucking watching a comic book on screen. I think there are elements of it that feel that way. I think no one has come as close to making a comic book into a film as Robert Rodriguez did when he made Sin City. Oh, I think no one, no director, no writer, no creator in Hollywood has come near what he did to make his movie feel like it was a comic book. I mean, that's a fair point. And so, yes, did Suicide Squad have elements that were comic sure. book? Of course. But it comes, it does not hold a candle to Sin City. And the the Suicide Squad, the one that James Gunn did actually made me feel more like that made me feel more like oh this is so comic book what you're doing here it was and i'm not not denying also it that. gave us the greatest uh role for john cena of all time i don't oh need my to God, see john peacemaker. cena do anything else he just no. should be peacemaker for the rest of his career no he's fucking brilliant dude <laughs> the series was amazing it really was and really I, was. oh my god i that one had good reviews though it did uh there were some people that didn't that got butthurt about the sci-fi aspects of it because Peacemaker is such a red, white, and blue, stars and stripes, fighting fascists kind of guy, and we got him involved in a alien invasion body snatcher type of plot. 
So there were some people that were turned off by that. But honestly, I think that was the best part was how sci-fi it was. That was so fun. Putting the character that you wouldn't expect to be in a sci-fi story in a sci-fi story actually makes for better television or movies, I I think. When it's – of course James Gunn is going to do that. Sure. The, you know, of course the yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy guy. Well, and that was the thing that was really funny, right? Because there, while there was some things about it that as a comic fan I could say, oh, I see where they're going with this or oh, I see where they're going with this – the aliens were James Gunn's creation. Right. So we watched a couple episodes, and when they finally introduced the butterflies, uh, my wife, Corey, said, you know, what? what is this? Like, what? Because you, you see it right at the end of an episode, and you have yeah. to wait till next week to find out what the hell they are. Yep. She's like, what the hell is this? And I was like, uh, refreshingly, I have no idea <laughs> what this is. And I that's refreshing. No, uh, it's fucking cool, man. As someone who's been reading... Marvel and DC Comics religiously since I could read, uh, it is refreshing sometimes to go into a thing and not have any prior knowledge. I envy the casual moviegoer who goes to a Marvel movie. Uh, I envy I, those people. I do and I don't. I envy the people that didn't know Winter Soldier was Bucky. I envy those people. No, that's exciting. To that's... experience that with no foreknowledge would have been fantastic. Right. That's the that's the whole uh, Vader being Luke's father thing. Exactly. The you emotional know. weight is lost if you know. Right. And th- <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. I don't. I don't. I. I just feel like it's common knowledge, though. I guess that's because, some things are common be, knowledge. I was going to say Superman because, is Clark Kent. Everybody right. knows that. I think it's because of it's also the space. Like if sure. you if you're involved with comics at all, yes, yep. that is comic knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, common knowledge, and comic knowledge. Um, <laughs> but if uh, if you're just oh, I just watch these Marvel flicks because they're you know cool big box office movies, right? Okay, yeah, I could see where that would catch you off guard. Yeah, in fact, it's kind of funny. I've I've definitely had arguments with children, uh, not children, teenagers, right? Which I guess from my perspective are still children, but. Uh, I've definitely had arguments with children who try to tell me who Iron Man is based on their movie knowledge or to try to tell me who Wolverine is based on their movie knowledge. And while I am in a service industry and have to maintain a certain level of professionalism professionalism and and nicety, uh, I have definitely put some children in their place (laughs) (laughs) within the confines of my job. That's that's one of the funny things about doing doing a show like this because – we, you, you come into it and it's like we're all better versed than the average cookie in that. Sure. Um, and some of the conversations and arguments that happen outside of that, that's the stuff that they put in movies and people are like, I don't understand why you're having this argument. Right. It's like, no, yeah, it makes yeah. all the sense in the world yeah, why we're yeah. having this fucking argument right now. Well, yeah, because it's, it's hard. You walk a line, right? Because you don't want to gatekeep. No. You want, you want people to be ex- ex- into experiencing this. You want to you help uh, you know, uh, ease their transition into experiencing this. If you watched an Iron Man movie, if you watched a Captain America movie and it was intriguing to you, I definitely want to point you in the direction of some good stories that are also going to be just as entertaining as that movie you watched. Um, but there's a level of arrogance in young people nowadays. And I'm sure I was arrogant when I was a teenager about what I knew or what I thought I knew or what I perceived that just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, and it's almost like you're trolling me. And that I just can't abide. I, I can't stand internet trolls who just say things to get a reaction. So there's, <laughs> there's definitely a level of arrogance I've seen in some of the teenage people who, 
who know the movies very well. There's no doubt they're well-versed in what the movies are. Right. Uh, but you're like, that character was that around tr- 60 years before Again, that. that are, yeah, that are literally trying to troll me, the guy who works in a comic book store. <laughs> right. You're like, you understand this is how I pay my bills. Right. It doesn't seem like you're trying to make a point. You're just trying to get a reaction out of me because you know it's going to, right? That's the that's the definition of a troll. Well, it's it's so funny. Uh, one of the first episodes that we did on Entertain the Geeky, we had Peter Chu on the show. Oh, sure. And it yeah. was a uh, get off my lawn with Peter Chu, and it was like, it was that. So Peter, for anybody that doesn't know who he is, he is a fucking sweet, soft spoken, kind person. And if you are uninitiated to the hobby, he is happy to oh, share with you. He wants to talk to you about um, it. Yeah, he he wants to. Yeah, he wants to get you into this world. Right. Uh, You'll love it. But that being said, there's also this aspect. He is he's an OG. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's he's not one of the people that's like, all right, well, he wouldn't sit. That wouldn't sit well with him. Right. Uh, and it's so, trolling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so funny because there is a fine line there, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's oh man. It's interesting. The world's changed a lot. Yeah. Like with uh, with this stuff being so mainstream now and so many people are getting into it for the first time or uh, falling back in love with it. Yeah. It's really cool to to see the different conversations that you can have with people like uh, being in, yeah. being in the car business for as long as I was people. I was I was the fucking nerd. Sure. And they'd be like, hey, what's going on here with this? So I'd right. you know give them the background that I could, and they're like, "Why do you know this?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, um, while you were uh, not reading comics for a long time, I was you know thumbing through doing these the books, opposite. yeah, <laughs> and like conversations at Thanksgiving and stuff had the X Men in them, you know. Sure. <laughs> it was just that's that's what we did, right? Uh, and it it it's it's cool and it's it's refreshing to see people wanting to get into the hobby and it's more accessible yeah. than ever, especially with the internet. And now, oh, absolutely. I, now this is cool. Yeah. Like people want to be a nerd. Right. Well, and I don't want you, you listeners out there to think that my whole personality is derived from this, this thing. Uh, I also play a lot of video games. Um, I am into role-playing uh, tabletop role-playing. I don't go out and run around and, and pretend I'm an actual knight. Uh, because I'm a fat guy and I don't want to do that. That sounds exhausting. But we know those guys. <laughs> we do know those guys. <laughs> and every time he tells me about it, I'm just like, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> like, you finish your day dripping in sweat? Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that at You're all. Like, where, where, where was the air conditioning? <laughs> Did you get a paper cut? No, somebody hit you with a boffer sword? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I do enjoy D and D. I mean, D and D is the big one, but obviously any tabletop role playing game, I'd, I'd be in. I mean, you can get me into anything. So, what uh, do you have a go to right now? Right now, I'm doing Star Trek. We are doing Star Trek Adventures with some friends, and uh, I got to be honest, I have always been a Star Trek fan, but role playing the captain of a starship has been some particular fun that I never have experienced playing D and D. Did you uh, did you do Star Realms? Uh, no, I did not no. do Star okay. Realms. Okay, because you could captain a ship, but it's I think it's way less political. Sure. Than Star Trek. Yeah. Um, because I mean, the whole basis for Star Trek is fucking playing politics. And we are at a crossroads within the Federation because we are in the Deep Space Nine era, uh, 
we just we just got past a point where they found out the changelings were infiltrating Starfleet and the Klingons have withdrawn from the Kittimer Accords and the Federation is on the verge of war with the Klingons again. Um, so we are at a tumultuously political time. Um, but I am playing uh, Vorik. He's a Vulcan captain of the USS Tyson that we named after Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, because when we sat down to play that first session, we started thinking, what kind of physicist today would influence a future Star Trek world? Because... You know, that's, that's oh, too how fun. some of the ships are named. So we came up with a couple, uh, Stephen Hawking, right. um, Carl Sagan, uh, and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, it turned out there was actually already a USS Hawking, so we couldn't go with that. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Star okay. Wars can- or Star Trek canon, there was already a USS Hawking. So we went with USS Tyson. Um, I'm playing a Vulcan who has taken Kolinar, so he's purged himself of all emotion. He's acts completely logically. Uh, my first officer, though, is a human uh, who tends to provide the reason uh, and let her emotions kind of guide her decision-making. So it's a nice kind of trade-off. But as much as we are in this moment of tumultuous political upheaval, um, we also did a session a few sessions ago where we did a holodeck session where <laughs> we used an, a, an actual real-world role-playing game called Kids on Bikes. Uh, and if you've not played Kids on Bikes... And you like Stranger Things. Wow, you should play Kids on Bikes because it's just Stranger Things, the role-playing game. Uh, it's the role-playing game about little kids who solve mysteries and get into trouble and adventures and stuff. Okay, it's like Nancy Drew, the role-playing game. Exactly. Okay, or okay. the Hardy Boys or whatever right, one right. you particularly enjoyed. Um, but so <laughs> we are aliens and Kids on Bikes is set in 20th century Earth. Um, but... Unless you were a specifically weird student, you, you wouldn't have studied 20th century Earth. So that gave me a chance to flex the role-playing muscles of oh a Vulcan God. who doesn't understand 20th century Earth culture. So they asked me, uh, oh, which character do you want to be? And my response in-game was, uh, I will be the leader because I am the leader. <laughs> <laughs> and so they gave, me this, they gave me this basketball player guy, right? So we're in the holodeck and I say, uh, computer. 20th century Earth teenage child clothing. And the computer, because it's a computer, specifies uh, more detail. And I look at my card and I say, I am apparently a basketball player. Because he has no idea what that is. Right. Uh, and then bikes appear. And he asks, what the hell is this? <laughs> she says, it's a bicycle. It's a means of conveyance. And so my first inclination is where are its propulsion engines <laughs> and she says your legs she says you're the propulsion engine and the, the, the natural response from Vulcan would be that is illogical <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah it's a it's a game that like I like Star Trek but I've never played a Star Trek role-playing game before and it's a game that's actually allowed me to be more creative as a role player than I ever have in a D&D game. That, that's one of the things that gets so tough with uh, when you're playing D&D. So many people get into stats. Exactly. Instead of, well, no, 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 no. What am I feeling right now? Right. Why would I take this course of action? Why wouldn't I? Um, what am I afraid of here? What, exactly. You know, uh, what, what, what makes me feel brave? And like sure. that's the, that's the part of role playing that I think is the most fun. Yeah, is getting to be an actor. Right. I always urge my players in whatever I'm running to 
you know, players start talking to each other. My question is always, are you having this conversation in game? Right. You should be. If you're not, you should be. This should be your character's conversation, not your conversation. Well, I, I do I do a voice for my character and my character. I do campaign. too, but not everybody does. Some people just no, and that's, use their normal speaking. And voice. that's that's totally fine. Absolutely. One one of the reasons that I do it is it's it's my cue that it's not Chris talking. It's Dungu. Sure. You know, it's it's Is this, that your current role playing yes, character? Yes. Okay. Dungu, he's a goblin sorcerer. Goblin sorcerer. What a combination. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to have fun with it and I was like, God damn it, I'm going to. So yes, sure. Dungu is this goblin sorcerer. He's got a draconic bloodline. Um, <laughs> and basically, because, you know, they could be dragon fodder, more sure. or less. Uh, and his, we're, we're finding out that he is linked to this big dragon that has had some, uh, that's had a big hand in our overarching story as we've played. We finished, I, I did one campaign, and there was a dragon that played a big hand in it. Sure. And he's the one that is my, uh, you know... My link to the dragons, basically. Right. Um, Dragon kind goblin. That's it's interesting. Who's a sorcerer? That's you just you, no. It's it's different. It's a and great that, combo, and that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> and he's uh, because he's a goblin. He's in this interesting spot in the world to where he doesn't necessarily understand normal social cues. Of course, uh, sure. Yeah. Why would he? He was he's been raised by goblins. It's like being raised by wolves. You know, you're a savage. Yeah, it's like playing an orc. Exactly. Yeah, they just don't understand society or culture. <laughs> so there, there, there's like things that come up and like getting lied to. He, it doesn't sit well with him. He doesn't really understand it. Sure. And that's something that's come up. Like one of the one of the players lied to me. He robbed somebody, and then he's like, "Oh, he gave me these." It was a store clerk, and I was like, sure. "Oh, great! He was mean to me for being a goblin." And then come <laughs> to find out, I'm like, "Hey, man! I told him out of game. I'm like, look, dude." I'm like, I want you to know that if I ever catch wind that you lied to me in game, he's going to be really upset, <laughs> like very hurt because he doesn't understand this yet. So I'm curious then, just based on what you've you've told me here, uh, is your goblin good or lawful? He, so he is... Because that is strange. He's chaotic good. And it, okay. has to, it has to do with his draconic bloodline. It's a silver dragon. But even dragon. the good alignment at all in a goblin is strange. No, it's, it's completely odd. Yeah. And that's why he's not with goblins anymore. Right, okay. It doesn't fit in. He's the he's the dark elf Dristorden who hated dark elf society and decided to go find his own friends. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. When it's not like he decided, it's like, dude, get the fuck out of here, weirdo. <laughs> We're going to go rape and pillage and you're... <laughs> You're not willing to play the game, so right. go fuck off, yeah, you know? Sure, sure. So, he, you know, he's finding his way in the world, and he was working as a deckhand because he doesn't fucking fit in as a normal no. functioning member of any society. Is this D&D &D or Pathfinder? It's D&D &D 5e. Okay. Um, so you're the you're basically a miniature orc. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> That's kind uh, of how the goblins are designed in that game. <laughs> but it's, it, it's been so much fun to actually play him and get to explore the character a little yeah. bit and, you know do my little dungu voice because like <laughs> that's his thing yeah um and our we have a we have we're using basically all all classes all races for the okay. most part sure um even yeah we're even doing some homebrew shit that like uh the critical role classes that are on D D beyond uh, yeah the critical role books are part of D D now right um so uh, blood hunter world he created uh taldore i think it's taldore yeah. taldore yeah something like that there's as i was gonna say taldore is just now a realm you can play D, D in yes they've integrated it completely and one it they should have because yeah, yeah. how many people has that guy brought to D? &D? I mean a lot i'm not a big fan of mercer i know personally i know 
Um, but he is a good businessman. He is instead of selling his property, he licensed his property. Uh, so he will continue to make money on it as long as D and D is popular. And I don't think that's going anywhere. No, no. Uh, <laughs> well, and especially with D and D one, uh, right around the corner i don't really understand it doesn't make sense to me oh Uh, it's to digitalize it that's the big thing no no they're still gonna release physical books and stuff they they will they will but it's all based on 5e and they're supposed to be dumbing the system down further is what i heard it's not based on 5e from what i understand Mm. and and because i am a retailer i've got access to some information you might not have access to or our listeners might not have access to that i am have signed no nda i can talk about uh um, it seems to be, I don't know if you remember GURPS, the generic role-playing system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was basically designed to be anything you wanted it to be. Kind of like Savage Worlds. Yeah. And it seems like D&D 1 is that, but for D&D. So mm-hmm. if you still want to play first edition D&D, D&D 1 will be compatible with that. If you still want to play third edition, because man, that was a good one and that was your favorite one, and maybe that's the one that got you into the game, D and D one will accommodate that within integrating the tabletop experience into a digital experience. You will be able to go in and build your own digital maps and digital figures, digital miniatures, um, having real time representations with sound and effects. To represent what a battle is, hap- what's happening in your battle. And those are things that I find exciting about it, but I'm also like, I don't need to do D&D the video game. So uh, it's not a video game. I, I, no, that, yeah. I, that I understand, but it, we're, we're starting to cross over into that realm a little bit because if we're doing it completely digitally. It's not completely digital, though. There are aspects of it, the digital aspects of it are meant to enhance the, the tabletop experience, okay. not detract from it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So it's exciting. It's I think it's going to be a little bit of double-edged sword. I'm not 100% sold on the idea yet. Um, but I think they're moving away from... The reason they're doing it is because they're trying to move away from additions. Yes. They feel like they've got something good with what 5th edition is, and I am hard-pressed to, to disagree with them because right. they're right. It's, it's very, very good. good. Um, it has brought in a lot of new players. It has generated a lot of new revenue for them. Um, so I think they don't want to stop pushing works. that yes. because it's working so well. Um, maybe one day we will see something beyond 5th edition, a 6th edition, but that's not what D&D 1 is. It's not intended to be the next edition of D&D. See, and here I am. I'm like, it's just 6E. It's not. Because it sounded, it, the way that it sounded based off of uh, the literature that I had read with their press release, I was like, okay, it sounds like they're going to dumb down 5E a little bit. No, actually, 5e is still going to serve as the base. The basis, yes. The base rule set um, huh. for what D&D 1 is. But again, it's supposed to be compatible with any version of D&D. So you're, you're, I know that's not a real red box over there. But, no, it's the Stranger Things one. Right. But if you had a real red box, you could use it still. Interesting. Right? It's going to be fully integratable into what the D&D 1 experience is. So it, w- would that go back to white box with TSR? I think it just goes back to first edition D&D. Okay. So I don't know uh, what that all entails yet. They have not released any kind of consensus as to what that all entails. But from first, for everything that D&D has been throughout the years will be compatible with what D&D 1 will offer. Interesting. Now, fifth edition is still the basis, 
because it's the current edition and it's the one that's popular, but it will be compatible with other things as well. I was uh, so with my play group because we were discussing before any announcement was made, we were discussing what happens when sixth edition comes out. And sure. I was like, look, we're bought into fifth edition. There's guys that still play two five or the, you're right, second but edition or whatever. We all say that when in the moment, right? But we still buy the new books when they come out, sure. And right? I, well, and that's that's one of the things that I said. I was like, look, I was like, we can buy books, we can test the waters and if we don't like it or if we like our old version better we'll just play that sure no big deal um but what what i guess i read it wrong because what i had assumed based off of what uh what i was hearing was that it was going to be a dumbed down version of 5e because they were talking about being even easier for new players and stuff like that and i'm like fuck man like i want a little more crunch than what 5e has to offer now sure um and i want some better scaling the part of it they're talking about though that what I think what you're what you're interpreting is accurate, but how that is integrated is going to be on a case by case basis, right? Fifth edition is still the basic rule set that they're going to go with, but if you want a slightly more streamlined version, say you're introducing your children to the game and they're six and eight years old, oh, right? And okay. they're not as they're not as they're, they're going to be not as invested in the paper aspect of it mm-hmm. as much as they are in the imagination aspect of it. D&D 1 will help you accommodate that. Okay. We'll offer you a different way to experience this that may be more uh, compatible with where your children are developmentally, where your friends are developmentally, because obviously there are people that have developmental disabilities or physical disabilities. We want everybody to be able to enjoy this. And and I know right now I probably sound like I work for Watsi. I do not. They're not paying me to say any of this. But I do think this is going to be a good thing. I'm skeptical because I don't fully have all the information. It's yet. Cautious optimism. Right. But I am cautiously that's probably yeah, cautiously optimistic that it could be something that's really good for D and D and and helps helps it expand to anyone who might want to be into it regardless of what holds you back well there's like there's things about it that are attractive so like let's say you have a long time play group but you guys live on different sides of the country now of course that's great yeah but we, we already solved that problem we did like discord we and i shit mean like that you discord, know? <laughs> yeah uh what one of the five or six websites that yeah. uh accommodate that yes yeah that hosts your game for you exactly yeah. <laughs> um, you can roll digitally here so dnd one's not new in that regard no no no, no. Yeah. but if you're trying to have an all-in-one sure i mean Absolutely. my rule book's here everything's here yeah, blah, this blah, is blah. your whole toolbox yeah in, i mean that, in one book and that i can see where that's attractive and could be a good thing um is it going to be a subscription service like that's the stuff where i'm like no Ooh. no no it's I, I so i don't know all that information yet they have not talked about uh, whether or not these servers will be free to access, whether you will have to pay for them. But at the end of the day, you don't need the server. The server just offers you a way to make it a little more engaging by, like I said, creating digital maps right. and digital miniatures to have effects and sound for your battles or whatever you're doing. Um, the the crux of the game is still going to be you at your table with your friends. Okay. Right? Role-playing, kind of talking it out. Um, I think that the online aspect of it is meant to be more supportive than main. Okay. Right? It's not supposed to be the main impetus of how you're experiencing this game. It's just to support what you're already doing. Hmm. Now, again, I don't know. Right. These are things, These this area of conversation I'm kind of speculating on because I don't know all the answers to that. I don't know if you're going to have to pay for it. Um, but I do know one of the things they're talking about doing is when these books, when this D&D 1 is integrated, the books will be sold with digital copies 
Yeah. So you won't raise the price, but as an incentive for buying the $50 book, you will get the digital copy for free. That once you've uploaded your digital code and claimed your digital product, you will be able to share that with anybody else that's sharing your digital environment. That would, The one bummer there would be those of us that do secondhand books. Of course, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, I, I do. I totally fucking do. I have in the past. Uh, I mean, working at a store definitely a helps nice me discount, right. to, to, to not have to spend $50 on a book. Uh, right. So, yeah. I But I understand the, the idea of going secondhand. Um, most of my third edition books, I was a teenager. Most of my third edition books were bought secondhand. Right. Or if, I didn't have no money. I was a if teenager. If you go to the used gaming auction, you know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? And it's sure. like, oh, I can score you know seven books out of this like, right for 20 bucks right. why I mean, wouldn't i yeah. you know um <laughs> it only makes sense yeah. no uh i one of one of my players so he i say my players he's dming now uh <laughs> right on he's he's my uncle he um he was like man i need to get i need to get all these books i'm like well don't worry about it right now I'll just use mine sure so, so then he gets on facebook marketplace finds a guy that's you know offering the all. books for a stupid good price like 25 bucks a book or something like that yeah and he got four books and he felt good about it i'm like dude that's all that matters like yeah absolutely if, if you're happy with making the purchase cool you didn't have to um he's yeah. like well i just want to have you know my own copy of everything and i'm like all right you know more yeah. power to you uh yeah and i'm i'm you know i'm i'm definitely all for like i said saving money i definitely uh people in my store and and it, it's kind of a it's kind of an insulting thing to say, and uh, so this is a little bit of inside information. Uh, if you're ever in a retail store uh, like the one I run or work at, uh, don't tell me I found it cheaper on Amazon. Don't tell me that. Right. Because while you're right, it is cheaper on Amazon. My response to you is going to be, then go fucking buy it on Amazon. <laughs> well, why are you? Because I don't really care. Why are you here? Yeah, exactly. Like you come here to support the brick and mortar store. People come though. Because they're curious if you'll match that. And what they don't uh, understand is how could I afford to match that? Right. You're I right. would be out of business. I'm paying the same price for the book that you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, the difference between me and Amazon is they can buy 12 million copies of it <laughs> so they get a stupid discount. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is, but that is one of those things that, that uh, you know, I, I'm not opposed to getting books for cheaper, right? If right. you've got, if you found a deal, take that deal, man. Seriously, I've done it, and I get forty percent off all the shit I buy. Right, and I've definitely found it cheaper on Amazon. <laughs> sometimes, sure. not sure. all the time, but sometimes. Sure, that or one of the one of the big gaming retail like uh, miniature market. Miniature market, yeah, yeah, one of those places for sure. Um, but I am trying to expand beyond the the limited knowledge I have had of role playing games uh, in the past because I don't care what you're into, uh, listeners out there. Whatever you're into, I'm guaranteeing you there's a role playing game for it. Oh, 100%. there's a role playing game for everything, or there's We're supplementation about to, for a big role playing system that you can yeah. use. We're about to do uh, this Saturday at the store. We're about to do the starter box for the Alien RPG, and I've read the adventure. The adventure is awesome. Nice. The are system you, is great. Are you running it? Yeah, yeah. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, I'm running the starter box, and then we're going to give the starter box away to one of the players randomly at the end. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited though because again, I've read the adventure. Uh, I like the dice, the way they're designed. They're really cool. Um, you're playing, you know, colonial marine type characters. The the, the starter box has, you know, uh, pre-generated characters. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, the adventure is scary. Uh, it it very it's very isolationist. It makes you feel like that first alien story. 
Oh, that's cool. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to play in a world like that, right? I've always loved Alien uh, since watching Ridley Scott's original vision for it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't believe I've never done that up to this point, but I'm excited to do it. And uh, you're, you're a video gamer too. We were talking about this off, off mic earlier. Yes. So what, what's, what's your stick? Like, what's your thing there? Uh, most of the games that I play nowadays are single player kind of story driven narrative experiences. Uh, like I don't knock the Fortnites or the Team Fortress or the Overwatch or Call of Duty or any of that stuff. I, I, I think they're great games and they have their fans, but I prefer to have a little more. I prefer to feel while I'm playing a video game like I'm watching a movie. Uh, because I like watching movies. I like reading good books. Um, so I prefer to have some kind of narrative-driven experience. Um, I'm currently replaying The Last of Us, uh, at least the remake that they did for PlayStation 5, uh, which is great. It's a great game. It was a great game back in however the hell long ago it came out on PlayStation 3. Uh, and it's a great game still to this day. Um, and now that they've brought it up to par with the sequel that came out on the PlayStation 4, uh, it's a consistently, it's a consistent narrative between the two games, not only from a storytelling standpoint, but from a look, uh, a character model standpoint, right? When I saw Joel in The Last of Us 2, God, that's the best Joel ever looked. Never seen Joel look like that. Now that the, the the old one has been brought up to that level, there is a consistency between how Joel looks in the first one, and it's the same model. I mean, they just used the same model. Oh, that's incredible! It feels like one game across two now, as opposed to two separate games that came out years apart from each other. Right? Game. Yeah. And then you've taken time off for God of War. I have. I've requested the weekend uh, of the God of War Ragnarok's release off so that I can fully delve into that game's narrative because. Uh, it's the it's the finale of the Norse saga. They did this one in two games instead of doing it in three, uh, which I love. Corey Barlog, the game director and the 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 Sony's or the Santa Monica Studios head, literally said, "You know these AAA games they take a long time to make, and I don't want to wait to see this story done. So we're going to do it in two. I want to see the conclusion. That's badass. I want to see the conclusion just as much as you want to see the conclusion. So we're going to do it in two. That's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, so one of one of the things that uh, I've been talking about with a few friends recently is um, unfinished games being put out. I hate the concept of unfinished games being put out. I mean, it's a beta test, yeah. so just call it PUBG that. PUBG started out as an unfinished game. Fortnite. That it was, was Fortnite put out as an unfinished. It was game? put out as beta. It was Fortnite beta <clears throat> for the longest time. Because like Minecraft was the biggest example. That game was put out in beta, fully released to the public. And now it's a finished game, but back then it was not. That's exactly what Fortnite was. It was Fortnite beta until a couple of years ago, I guess. <clears throat> um, and that game's fuck had a six or seven year run now. Like sure. it, you know. And then uh, Cyberpunk twenty ninety nine. That was one of the most recent ones that I'm just like twenty seventy seven or twenty seventy seven. Yeah, um, I'm thinking Spider Man twenty ninety nine. I'm just like, man, how is it that years ago we would buy a console and they'd put a game out. And it was done. It was the whole game. That was it. One package. Um, we didn't buy DLC content. No. You waited for another game to come out, and you didn't know if or when that would ever happen. But yeah. I had a finished title in hand. More and more companies are giving us the half-baked version of the game, I guess, to get it out faster. 
And yeah. I, I understand that. Like, or they finish it and then they piecemeal out several pieces oh, and sell them back DLC. to you later as DLC. It's disgusting. It is. Uh, what, uh, Tiny Tina's is one that uh, Buddy was telling me about. He's yep. like, look, dude, he's like, DLC came out within a month. He's like, and all it did was make the story the story. Sure. He's like, that's not acceptable. Right. And he's like, a bunch of games are doing that now. Overwatch, they just had their. So Overwatch 2 was supposed to come out in, uh, I think, February of 2021. Sure. Oh damn! Okay, way behind. Way behind, and they they delayed it because they were having internal issues. Um, okay, sure, whatever. I can deal with that. Yeah, they put out beta. I played beta. I was like, cool. This is going to be a really neat game. Sure. And then they released the game, <laughs> and it didn't fucking work. You couldn't log in for the first day or two. A lot of us couldn't. Yeah. Uh, so I just gave up on it. And then two days after that, half your characters were grayed out, so you couldn't select them. And I'm like, I'm like, this isn't a bug if it happened two days later and I could play these characters before. Right. Like, this is unacceptable. Like, yeah. what's happening here? And they've even said the game's not finished. You're still going to get the PVE version of the game. And I'm like, okay. well, I'm like, I understand that it's free to play and that you're doing us a favor there. Just say that it's Overwatch beta. Sure. Because it is. Don't call it the finished game. Yeah, it's, it's not the finished game. It's, we released it. No, you didn't. You gave yeah. us the beta. Right. We have access to the beta. Let's just run with that. And that's cool. Like, just call it what it is. And I just, I can't fathom that years ago we could put a game out and it was done and now we can't. I think there are, uh, there are definitely examples uh, of companies and games that buck that trend. And I I like to see those things, right? I mean, one of the ones that I talk about a lot is the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, That game never got an update until the DLC pack came out for it which uh, was the Integrade, right? The stuff where you play as Yuffie, the little side story. And it's a short content. I mean, you can get through it in four hours or so. Okay. Um, so it's not much. But we live in an age where most games get day one patches, right? right? The day the game comes out, it's got a huge patch to download because there was something that was not finished. Um, the Final Fantasy VII Remake came out. We went about a month. and I didn't see an update. I was like, that's weird. And was anything we went, broken in game? No. And then we went a couple of months without seeing an update. Before I knew it, six months had gone by. The game didn't get an update. That's how you make a game, right? That's you a- finish your game so that you don't have to patch it 24 times in the first month. Well, they had fucking... <clears throat> they had <laughs> that framework. was a huge game. They had framework, though. Like, you had a whole story and everything, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I know, but everything about the game's engine was built from the ground up. Right. Right. For this new remake, you know, you didn't you didn't reuse assets from the PlayStation One. Right, you can't. Right. So you you delayed it and you delayed it until it was finished. And yeah, people got pissed off by those delays, but wouldn't you rather have a finished product? Well, and how many more people enjoyed it all the more because you gave them a finished product? God of War twenty eighteen. It's another example. No DLC for that. I mean, it's gotten patches to fix bugs or add modes, New Game Plus and photo mode and all that, but it doesn't have DLC. They sold you the whole game. That's how it should be. That's how it fucking should be. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, if you're paying for it. Right. Here's the whole game. We didn't cut something out that we could sell back to you later. We just gave you the game. Here's the game. Well, uh, on on the tabletop version of that, like Fantasy Flight is the company that's always been notorious for... uh, giving you an unfinished game. Oh my God, I know. And then selling you the, the finished product later the on. The rest of the pieces later. Yes, yeah. yes. And I'm just like... Whether that be dice or more miniatures or whole right. new scenarios. The cards. <laughs> yeah. 
but it's just like, dude, why are we doing this with video games? Like, we're we're better than that. We've had the. Uh, you've been playing games for thirty years. Absolutely. How many finished games did you get all up until recently? And I'm just like, come so on, guys. There's, there's another thing that I was going to mention of companies bucking the trend. Now, this is not true across the board, but when the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake came out from Capcom, they had DLC. They gave that DLC out for free. Now, at the time, uh, the head of Capcom America put out a statement saying, look, uh, you already spent the money on this game. This little side content is nothing. It doesn't add to the story. It doesn't add anything to the narrative. It's just more fun stuff to do. You shouldn't have to pay for that. We believe you should not have to pay for that. Well, how many how many more people would go out and buy the full version of the game? Exactly. And those games went platinum, whatever they call it in the game world, very right. quickly, right? They, they definitely sold a lot of copies very quickly. Well, and I think it was more than once over that that went platinum. Sure, yeah. And then Resident Evil Village came out, which is Resident Evil 8, I guess, uh, which was the last one that they made. Um, and it's got DLC coming out this month. And the package is $20. But what that gets you is a whole new... Uh, four or five hour story side content thing about a f- uh, not not that that's not set during the game so it's not something they took out of the game it's something that's set way after the game where you play as a, a character who's literally a baby during the game as a teenager right so it's 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 extra content. You're dealing with repercussions of and they're what adding the game. they're changing everything about village they're adding third person mode to the game which those those new resident evil games have been exclusively first person games but resident evil's been a third person type of game forever well and that requires reworking every cutscene in the game because every cutscene in the game is shown to you from a first person perspective so every cutscene in the game has to be reworked to accommodate a new third person view of your character that's incredible so yeah $20 seems like a worthwhile price tag for a new experience to the original game and a four or five hour side story DLC content that takes place after the game's main narrative. When you had, uh, you had, you know, engineers, game designers, artists, all that have to redo a bunch of stuff. Exactly. Like you said, with cutscenes, that's fair. Yeah. Every cutscene had to be redone to accommodate that perspective. Totally fair. And add in the model of the guy. Right. Right. That makes sense all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Because the only thing in the model of the guy that they had to design was his hands. That's literally all you ever (laughs) saw of him. Right. So all they had to design of the model when they made the game initially was his hands. They had to literally add in the rest of him. To and rework the entire way the game works like, well, as a result of that. We went from hardcore Henry to a movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there are moments when extra content is sold to you justifiably. I think there's plenty of examples of companies that sell you shit you should not be paying for uh, that should have just been part of the game, that they literally was part of the game, and they carved it out separated it from that file so that they could sell it back to you later. Uh, and that's wrong. So there are trade-offs, right? I'm, right. I'm, I'm supportive of DLC, but it's a double-edged sword. It depends on what your content is. Right. If, it, if it's going to complete the first leg of the game that I was doing anyway... I shouldn't have to pay for that. Right. That was the game. <laughs> but if it's, it adds to what I've already experienced, right. that's different. Or if it's a it's side quest or like you're saying with Resident Evil where it's uh you know, a story, fallout story from the story. In yes. the aftermath of the story. Yeah, yeah, like that 
makes perfect sense. 17 right? years later. That's you know? acceptable. Yeah, absolutely. That's totally acceptable. Um, okay. And we're, we're starting to get close on time. What, what, yeah. what things are you most excited about right now? Oh, uh, okay. You could do two or three. I know there's probably a lot. Sure. I'm going to pick one from each category. Okay. Shoot. Movies, Black Panther. Uh, Wakanda Forever looks fantastic. I, and I think it's going to be the movie that's going to be, uh, more in line with what the MC used to be so that those people that have been bitching a lot can be a little happier. Uh, and that's not to say it's not going to be treading new ground. Namor is going to be introduced. Uh, Atlantis is going to be introduced. I'm very excited about those things. That's going to be bitching. Yeah. It looks like a great movie. Uh, comic book wise, uh, the Thanos event that's coming up that Donnie Cates has been building to in Thor for 29 issues now. Uh, <laughs> Thor got a vision of the future at the end of the first arc of Donnie Cates' run that showed Thanos uh, holding Mjolnir with the Infinity Stones slotted into the hammer, wearing the gauntlet of Null, the god of symbiotes, and he's flanked all around him by the Marvel zombies. That was just the picture they showed us, and I have no idea what that is. I have no idea what that means. Holy it's about to start shit. literally next month. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, video games, God of War Ragnarok. Uh, the Norse saga, the first leg of the Norse saga is beautiful. Um, as somebody who has had a couple of different people I call dad in my life, it, it hit me right in the feels playing that first game, watching Kratos try to be a father, uh, a friend. Uh, it, it, it definitely is an emotional journey that you go on with him and his son. And, uh, the next game looks to looks to finish that story up, and we're going to see, you know, how uh, the changes that Kratos made to who he is as a person, and all the truth and information that he's given to Atreus about who he is, uh, is going to be explored. And uh, spoilers, I mean, it's a game that came out back in 2018, but Atreus is Loki, and that's interesting. That's an interesting concept to take the son of Kratos, a god from the Greek world, and make him the father of a god from the Norse world. Uh, so I'm interested to see how Super that all plays exciting. out, too. Yeah. Uh, television? <clears throat> I don't know that there's anything immediately coming up that I'm excited to watch. Um, there's some things in the future, like Secret Invasion, that I'm very excited about. Uh but there's nothing right now. Most of the things that I was excited about in TV have finished. Uh, Andor is still going on, and that's great. And if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. It's not for the Baby Yoda crowd. You still get to finish Stranger Things, too. I do. I still need to finish Stranger Things, yes. Oh, I'm so excited for you just on that one alone. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> but so, yeah, those are, those are my top uh, at the moment. But that changes day to day. Well, of course, as more information is made available, this... <laughs> This could definitely, it's a subject to change. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Well, um, cool. If, uh, if you guys want, you can go to entertainthegeeky.com to follow us on all of our social media. Um, subscribe to the RSS feed here. Listen to the show. Uh, Jason and I are talking about getting another show up and running again. So once we, you know, officially do that, we'll make that available to you. And yeah, if you like hearing my voice, you're going to hear a lot more of my voice. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you like it. Because I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, I'm, this voice is going to be there. <laughs> Giggles and all, you know. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. Stay geeky. Stay geeky.